When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Craig Ellingson, sports editor at the Edmonton Journal. And this is our Oilers podcast for March 20th, 2015. With me in the studio here at the Journal, our Journal hockey writer, Jim Matheson. Hi, Maddie. How are you? Journal hockey writer, Joanne Ireland. Good morning. And Journal Sports columnist John McKinnon. Morning. Well, we're uh, heading into the stretch run. Well, I guess we've been in a stretch run of sorts already for since at least the end of November. But, uh, what, 11 games left in the Oilers' season. Philadelphia on Saturday. And uh, eventually uh, we'll get three more weeks of uh, NHL hockey in here in Edmonton. Uh, but Taylor Hall could return to the lineup any game now. He was back at practice uh, earlier this week and uh, wasn't taking contact, but we expect him to be taking contact in practice eventually and playing a game if not tomorrow Monday perhaps against Winnipeg I would test him out against the Philadelphia Flyers who are going to be out of the playoffs rather than the Winnipeg Jets who hit everything in sight and want a playoff spot I think you know if they can get him into one game before he plays the Winnipeg Jets and feel his way through the game as opposed to throwing him in the deep end against a, a team that desperately needs the points and hits everything that that moves, I think, uh, would be beneficial. Yeah, no, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll probably see him. He's always he's been a player, and God knows he's had enough injuries along the way that he is usually back sooner than expected. So, I'm sure if there's any way he can be in the lineup on Saturday, he will. He he himself wants to get some games in, and you know, the sooner he's in, the the more games he'll play. It's been kind of a crappy season for him that way. So, it provides sort of a little jolt of content late in the season for fans to be interested about there's not much else so here's the, one of their star players gets you know comes back how will he do will he be you know uh, chosen to play for team canada at the world championship which would be a good thing for him and a number of other players whether he'd be chosen i don't know but um so i mean that's about the only uh i mean that and the, uh, there's always a risk of injury with taylor hall he's played the same way all through junior and Plays rambunctiously and recklessly, gets hurt. That's where he goes. And of course, his return would beg the question: Where do they put him? I mean, that first line's been clicking very well, and it'll. I know uh, when Taylor was out in November, um, it was you know Jordan Everly joked at the time about uh, telling Taylor that not to hurry back because they were quite content with Pouliot on their line. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they slot him in and, and where and for how long. I think you should start on the second line with Yakupov and Derek Roy, Derek and Roy yeah. not tinker with the first line. It's going yeah. well, and then you know if you know after a couple of games, if they want to put him back with his usual line mate, uh, Jordan Everly and Ryan Nugent Hopkins have at it. But yeah. I think you know 
think it's kind of counterproductive to, to break up one line that's going really well just to get a player back in who hasn't played in six weeks. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because Pouliot's season sort of um, really sort of evolved when he was up on that top line. That's sort of when he sort of settled in and sort of started to show why they had gone out and got him in the offseason. I mean, up until then, he'd been sort of one of those guys you're wondering, oh, another free agent signing that's will be <laughs> criticizing here for the next little while, but um, he's, he just sort of came to f- settle in and, and really has been a big benefit for them. Um, you know, he's not pr- putting up a lot of points, but he's a strong player, and they miss him when he's in, not in the lineup. Now, wouldn't, uh, I mean, I, forgive me, but, you know, the Yakupov, uh, Ro- sorry, Roy, <laughs> Roy, we talked about this before, combo is just cooking as well um you know, putting taylor hall in that mix would would uh would be different too well they just have to take you know purcell out and put purcell on the third line yeah so yeah i don't uh, think you'd mess with the the duo of roy and yakupov just put, yeah. just put taylor on the wing and well th- that, that could help the third line which has been actually yeah. kind of a weak link yeah now you give some skill and scoring punch to the third line and uh Gives you a bit more balance among the lines, I would, I would think. If that's the way they go, we'll, we'll yeah. see. Now, you know, obviously we've already, Johnny, have already identified, you know, Taylor Hall is always prone to being injured since that's his style of play. He doesn't hesitate, gets right in there. Um, is there any benefit to shutting him down for the rest of the year? But I, I suppose if he's ready to play, he's ready to play. Well, other teams have shut guys down, but they've had, more recent surgeries and stuff and he didn't need a surgery you know on this broken foot so uh he wants to play i mean he's young you know why sit him down it's not like it's a shoulder that's you know he's had surgery on back in november or you know october and and they'd rather wait till training camp but hey 10 more games is is probably good for him and if he wants to play in the world championships that people picking the team will want to see that he, he can play or you know you know he's not going to go, and I think lots of Oilers will be going this year to Prague, and because Prague, Prague is a little probably nicer than than uh, Belarus, and uh, I suspect. Well, I, I think it's a slam dunk. Jordan Everly's going. He's the way he's going the season. He's going, and Nugent Hopkins probably too. So they could at least send over one whole line, and he wants to play. Now Nugent Hopkins and Everly, of course, being two primary characters on the Oilers power play, which has been playing very well. As of late, um, did I read or hear somewhere they are number one in the NHL over a certain period of time? Since the All-Star break. Yeah. Um, I think they've slipped a tad since uh, in the last two days. But, yeah, they're up in the top uh, top three there. And, yeah, it's been an interesting transformation. I'm not sure if it's all coaching, if it's personnel. I mean, you know, they've got net presence now with Anton Lander, which they didn't have before. I mean, more often than not, that... They had nobody standing in front of the net. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, again, it, again, I think it goes back to sort of the, you know, the um, evolution of some of these scorers sort of having their best games now under Todd Nelson, putting up points. And Everly said himself, I and mean, right now it's confidence. He is playing with like ridiculous amount of confidence and starts on the power play and continues um, even strength. I agree. You know. The power play, at least we can hang our head on something that is going good offensively for the Oilers, and that is a power play. You know, for the longest time, the power play was bad. Five on five, they were bad. And now at least you can say they're picking up goals on the power play. 
Now the next step, of course, is scoring goals five on five, and the best teams have the best five on five record. You know, because most of the games played five on five. But it is odd to see, you know, a team like the Oilers is lighting it up on the power play, and the Pittsburgh Penguins can't get out of their own way on the power play with Crosby on it and Latang, and when Malkin is there and David Perron, they can't get out of their own way. They can't score any power play goals. So. Uh, power plays are kind of fickle, I would suspect. And you're right, for the longest time this year, the Oilers did nothing on the power play, but for the last two months they have. So is it an aberration? I guess we'll have to wait and see next year when the season starts again. One guy who's not on the power play very often is Matt Hendricks, but he, he was saying the other night that Nelson has shrunk the agenda for the team. I think he was talking generally. But I expect that applies to the power play also, and, and there's fewer items, a fewer boxes to check off for these players when they're on the power play now under, in my judgment, under Nelson. Uh, you know, he wants a quick buck movement. He wants somebody in front of the net. He wants, you know, when you have a good shot, take the shot. He wants quick puck retrieval. I mean, there's certain things that he wants and I think it's a much simpler kind of deal and uh, he seems to have a way of infusing the players with confidence um, and I, I think making them feel that you know, you know, play to your strength I mean, these guys are good when they have more space, and and so logically they should be better on the power play because obviously you have more space at that time. And you can just see, um, well, not just Everly, but Nugent Hopkins on the power play is, is moving the puck around and, and uh, uh, making moves and in command of his game, which uh, we haven't necessarily seen uh, consistently you know, in the last couple of years. Just imagine how effective it might be if they ever got a point man. <laughs> yeah, they have a point man that, that moves the puck, but th they don't shoot yeah. the puck very yeah. often. And, you know, if you're just going to pass, 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 you can score goals, but sometimes you have to shoot the puck, you know, two, three times from the point on the power play because there's you, that's when the puck retrieval happens and that's when the scrambles happen and that's when players around the net get outnumbered and not too sure who to who to go for and that's how you score a lot of goals but baby steps uh, at least they are scoring some goals on the power true. play yeah. and uh, you know if they get to where I think Justin Schultz has to go back this summer and shoot 100 pucks every day it'd be like Al McKenna shoot him against a barn or, or find something to shoot every day until he's really confident in his shot whether that's a slap shot or a hard wrist whatever and uh, so he he's thinking shoot before he's thinking pass now, speaking of Justin Schultz, uh, top-pairing defenseman right now, Craig McTavish has said he's comfortable with having Justin Schultz and Oscar Clefbaum as his number one pairing, even heading into next season. But are they a number one pairing? They are on this team, but I... Uh, In no, general. <laughs> no, they're not. I mean, they're not, because Clefbaum hasn't played a full season in the, in the NHL yet, and Schultz is, you know, coming up through his third season. That's not a number one pairing. A number one pairing is a little more established. You know, they've played five, six years in the league, and that's a number one pairing. A number one pairing is Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook, you know, not Justin Schultz and, and Oscar Clefbaum. Now, I, mean, I think, I hope Craig realizes that, and this summer, while they're trying to get a goaltender, try to get a first-pairing defenseman, too, and you know, trying to get a... You can get a goaltender maybe with that first-round draft pick, trying to get a first-pairing defenseman from somebody, unless you're giving up a, a really good forward, is going to be very difficult. But yeah. I, think um, he's, I think he's got to try. And, you know, there, there will be a few defensemen out there, 
are they first pairing defensemen? Johnny Boychuk probably would have been a set number two on the Edmonton Oilers, but he signed in in uh, Long Island. You know, Mike Green will be free agent, but he's not a first pairing defenseman at this time. So I don't know where he's going to get one, but he's going to have to try to get one. And that could very well be his default solution is um, anointing those two as first pairing because when you look at his list of deficiencies and the holes he's got to fill this offseason, as, as Maddie alluded to, it's not going to be easy to go out and get a top-pairing defenseman, given that he's got other holes to fill as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would, I can't believe he wouldn't be looking for one. I'm just not sure he's going to get one. Isn't everybody in the, in the NHL looking for one outside of the Chicago's and the Nashville's yeah. and L.A.? I mean... Well, the good teams got one. Yeah. That's why they're good teams. Obviously, they're winning. Because they, Stanley you know, the first-pairing defenseman can play half the game. And that's yeah. why those teams are in a playoff hunt or, or you know, they're a Stanley Cup contender. You know, and how often do we see those massive deals now? I mean, the Evander Kane, Tyler Myers, Myers deal, that's, that's an anomaly. You would never see those kinds of deals. And that's probably what it would take. What would it take for the Oilers to land one of these number one defensemen? It's going to take one of their core players. Absolutely. Plus, <laughs> or two, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I know this is you know this is always this is an ongoing topic of conversation because the need's been there for a long time. They haven't had a top pairing defenseman they're, they're like that in years. Their commitment is to is developing the players they have drafted, yeah. and and keeping their core intact. Yeah. Their their number one, their first number one pairing defenseman that will will find a way into their lineup sometime in the next year and a half is Darnell Nurse. Obviously, he's not here yet. And it'll take him time to develop. He's no, he's one of the guys. We'll see if he develops. And they have to find another one. How they get that? They could find that player in the draft this this June. That's a possibility. But it's out of sync. I mean, th- this is the reality of their uh, of their uh, evolution as a team is that they have a cluster of young forwards who are all growing together, and we're seeing some of that growth now. We seem we seem to be. Uh, with the uptick in play, but the defensive side is behind that. They're, they're not at the same level, the same level of development. And so the option, I'm sure, in McTavish's mind to then take somebody from the core that seems to be actually moving towards something resembling maturity, get rid of that so that you can get a defenseman. First of all, I think that that's highly unlikely that you would even land anybody. Second of all, uh, I don't think he's inclined to do it. And so... It's just a matter of, you know, let the process evolve and see how it goes. Uh, but Craig has said this year repeatedly that they're not at a place where they can take a piece or a package, piece of, you know, as a draft pick or some kind of a package, and move it for something else because essentially you're creating a hole so that you can fill another hole and you're no further ahead. Except in goal, they can trade the draft picks. They can trade three draft picks for a goaltender. We were talking about number one defense. Well, you say you just mentioned that they, he wasn't at a point of to trade draft picks. Well, he's not for a defense for defenseman, perhaps, but he is for a goaltender. And uh, you pointed it out; they're, they're both problems are in the back end, yeah. not at, at forward where they have been. And they're they're, they're, they're the problems are the kind of holes that that give you endless losses. I mean, if you don't have goaltending and your defense is suspect. You got problems, and and this is where they are, and so and there isn't an easy solution to it. That's no. that's the that's the frustrating part for the fans. And they and they've dropped off on the back end since Petrie's left too. I mean, there's no question. I mean, say what you will about his game. I mean, he 
those were valuable minutes he was logging and they just have really that's another again another hole that they have yet to fill so what you got to do i guess as a general manager you got to take a look at the teams break them down and say which teams have yeah, there might be defense time. men and which teams have no forwards and then say okay i guess i better try that team and maybe their second best defense but not their best defenseman could be better than what we've got on our team so i'd, I'd have to trade a forward to get that defenseman is there anything among teams you know approaching salary cap hell like you were writing about today maddie is there any possibilities there well I, maybe I'd, maybe not. i'd make an offer sheet on dougie hamilton but i'm sure boston would match it and then that's always the fallback position with the team they say we go to all this effort in the back of your head figuring that the team's going to match the offer so why do we go to, go to all this trouble um but the orders have done it twice already they did it for Dustin Penner and it worked and they did it for Thomas Vanek and it didn't work well I would well, suggest it didn't really work with Dustin Penner. well no but they went I'm talking <laughs> see they made an offer sheet they did yeah and, and it then didn't they work. then it hurt their development <laughs> yep. uh, plans I mean they lost those draft picks too which they could ill afford to do at the time defensemen are a different story cattle of fish though I think they're if you get a chance to get a really good defenseman and make an offer sheet on somebody I guess maybe you take a, sh a flyer and say here let's try and it doesn't work it doesn't work Another potential issue, and well, maybe it is an issue on defense. Andrew Ferentz, his role on the blue line—he's the captain, but he's playing the third pairing. His minutes are going down. What, what's going to happen with Andrew Ferentz? What should happen? Well, he's probably playing where he should be playing, and a lot of the other defensemen are playing above where they should be playing. The younger defensemen um, at his age, I'm talking about. But he's also the captain of the team, and it seems like he's the the fallback defenseman. If they call up a kid from the minors, Jordan Ustile, he plays with Ferentz. Uh, if one of the defensemen is hurt, Keith Alley plays with Ferentz. Um, Nikitin's back from injury, he plays with Ferentz. But he is a third-pairing defenseman now, and his role is such that other guys are getting considerably more minutes. So you wonder, can your captain be on the third pairing? I guess that's the your captain being a third defense pairing only playing 13 minutes a game where other people are playing close to 20 and I think he's still a really good leader but the optics are such that you know he's a, if he's a third pairing defenseman can he still be the captain if he's only playing 13 minutes a game and it's probably not much different than a, a role player who used to play you know whether you're Ethan Morrow or Kelly Bookberger and you're used to playing a certain amount of minutes and then you're then you're a third to fourth liner only playing 12, 13 minutes a game, but you still got the C on. So it's a tricky situation. Well, and I always, I mean, I, the presumption's always been that he was a bridge captain anyways. I mean, I don't think he was ever supposed to, you know, wear the C till the end of his contract. It's just a matter of, you know, when they were going to sort of make that shift and whether it's next season and, you know, Jordan Eberle or probably him before Taylor Hall takes the C or the year after is, you know, I guess that's the, the question that uh, has yet to be answered. But as Maddie said, this is a team that traditionally has had role players as their captain. I mean, you know, this is not out of the norm for them. And I'm trying to remember when Jason Smith near the end, how many minutes he was second or third defensive pairing as well. So, um, and there's enough leaders, I think, in that room or on the ice that, you know, you look at Matt Hendricks, who's taken on a big role there and, and Eberle himself, and I don't know 
in today's game, if you have to be a top pairing defenseman or a top line forward to wear the C. I mean, I don't. I have to say, on the list of concerns of the Edmonton Oilers right now, who's their captain to me is way down. I mean, uh, he, he's his value as a community outreach person is 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 quite high, and that matters to that organization in this community. And so, in that sense, it's a useful thing. He could do that anyway. What difference does it make whether he's captain or not? Um, but I mean, this this is very much a team in flux, as Joanna suggested. And so, uh, you know, a year from now, two years from now, it'll be a different situation. But uh, <laughs> what team? You know, it's like twenty eighth place. I mean, uh, you know, the the leadership coming from the captain, uh, I don't think is making that big a difference. Well, we'll leave it at that for this week, everybody. Thanks for thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.